0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for October the 17th in the year of our Lord 2020. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our Founding Fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the Blueprint for Liberty, the Supreme Law of the Land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome. To Liberty Roundtable Live. We are live two hours a day, Monday through Saturday. On the Sabbath, we rest. Here's a recap of yesterday's show. If you didn't get a chance to listen, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word. Donate today, would you please? We talked about Ben Swan thanking everyone uh, who says thank you to everyone who have joined us on our ICE media platform. That's I-S-E. Via the crowdfunding, we have continued to grow, and I am honored. We have raised about $400,000 so far. From about 1,500 investors, pretty tremendous gathering there for Ben Swan. Talk radio is turning millions of Americans into conservatives. There's no doubt about that. That's been going on for decades, folks. Rush Limbaugh launches what they call brand-new operation to help Trump win race. He uh, basically said if the media is going to shut you down everywhere, Twitter, et cetera, why don't you come on the Rush Limbaugh program, whatever, 500 radio stations. So there you have it, terrestrial, saving the day for the digital divisionaries, right? Trump presses bar to target political enemies while um, Justice Department stays mute on the topic. You know, we just need to not have different departments doing different things and attacking people and, 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 you know, working on political enemies. What we need to do is if somebody's committed crimes, then we need to be clear. (laughs) We need to have due process, try them for their crimes. If guilty, they need to be convicted. That's all. We don't need this weird bars against Trump who... Or Trump doesn't carry out whatever, or bar this, and the Justice Department that, and the FBI this, the CIA that. We don't need all that, folks. We need to stand for the rule of law in the greatest country on the face of the earth. Trump tells seniors that he'll make, um, re, what's that thing called? Rum decimer or whatever that drug is. He'll make it available for free, and he'll sign an emergency use authorization for that. I'm not really for the president authorizing or funding drugs at all, but there you go. Big Pharma taking center stage, sad to say. Fed found that the economy is recovering much faster than officials expected. That's good news for everybody, I hope. Thousands of New Jersey voters received wrong mail-in ballots. Yet in Utah, in a big county, San Pete County, Utah, they sent out a vote of ballots, and, all oh, they forgot the signature line. <laughs> wow. Nick Sandman, the Catholic teenager, doing great in his fight against the New York Times. He scores a massive victory. New York Times, ABC, CBS, etc., he's scoring big, and he deserves to, by the way. They intentionally, dishonestly, made it seem like he was the aggressor, and video proved that to be a flat-out blatant lie. Ted Cruz rips apart CBS for airing the terror read interview in Australia, but not in America. Great point. That was hour one. Hour two. We had our guest on, Mr. Ammon Bundy. PeoplesRights.org is his website. And we talked about the media and the government are in bed together, and they're intentionally engaging in political warfare by using scare words. They're isolating, demonizing, and destroying all peaceful patriots. I don't know what's going on here, but this has got to got to stop, folks. We're going to get into that as the broadcast unfolds, because I think they're taking advantage of us because of our words. We'll get into the details of that, but this is serious serious business folks please remember this though you shall know them by their fruits i'm telling you that right now us and them whoever pay attention to what we say and do by the way a cedar hills house in standoff was heavily fortified inside police say ksl radio ksl news but here's the problem it isn't true we're talking about ken cromar's house it wasn't heavily fortified and they say a standoff? There was one woman in there by herself that willingly came out. There wasn't a standoff. Then they try to say she broadcasted uh, on new media the standoff. Oh, she was streaming to show America what was happening to her in her home. But see, they, they turned this into a kind of a militia intense. It was a meltdown, and thank heavens the police got the upper hand. That isn't true. Barb Cromar was there by herself. Yes, there was guns in the home, a few of them. But uh, the question asked to the prosecutors was this. How come Barb was downstairs and the guns were upstairs? And how come the guns had dust all over them, meaning that they haven't been used in months? (laughs) Roasted to the prosecutors. Now you say, wait a minute, Sam, there's a gag order on this case. And my response to that is this. There's no gag order on me, baby. And furthermore, KSL has no gag order. So all I'm telling you is the truth shall be known. Ammon's Army is the headline of an article. Questions mount mount about Trump's ties to Michigan fascist plotters. We'll get into that in the details big time today. People's rights, uniting neighbors to defend their families, faith, freedom, and their futures. Who would you call right now if you needed help protecting your rights, right? That's a great question that Ammon Bundy is wisely asking. PeoplesRights.org to learn more and to get on the Neighborhood watch list is what I'm calling it. We're actively working hard, says Ammon Bundy, to build a strong legal, political, and physical defense system in your area. Wow, with what's going on in America and the rioting and the looting and the plundering and the literally destroying of private property and the threatening of people's lives and everything else, it's hard to say that's not justified, huh? Where do you go with this kind of stuff? Do we want to ratchet up or calm it down? I personally want to calm it down. The problem is I'm not exactly sure how to get that done. I guess we can pray hard. I guess we can lead by example. Uh, But there you have it. But here's the problem. They're saying we're the violent ones. problem is I haven't seen any violence at all. The good sheriff, Richard Mack, on the road. Where are you at, sir? Virginia?
2: Yeah, I'm back in Virginia, Sam, of all places.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a blessing to be there, sir.
2: Well, it is. And uh, it's Fredericksburg, Virginia. Wow, from from Fredericksburg, Texas to Virginia, huh? (laughs) Yes, uh, there's two great uh, Fredericksburgs in America. Maybe there's even more, but uh, the ones that I have been to, Fredericksburg, Virginia and Fredericksburg, Texas. What amazing uh, towns. Uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia is uh, quite a bit bigger than Fredericksburg, Texas, but Fredericksburg, Virginia is so Americana, historical, It's got history just oozing out of it and culture just oozing out of it. And this is where George Washington was born.
1: It's almost as American as I am.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And if he cut down the cherry tree, this is where it happened. And it's also huge. It's huge. Civil War. Also, it's this. There was several Civil War battles here. Uh, The Battle of Marie's Heights and Richard Kirkland, one of my Favorite uh, Civil War heroes uh, worked for the. Uh, he was a soldier for the South at the Battle of Maurice Heights when the stupid Union general just kept having the soldiers try to march up towards this uh, uh, the brick wall, the Stone Wall, or, uh, that's kind of where uh, Stonewall Jackson got some of his uh, uh, reputation. But anyway. Uh, There's this great big brick wall, and the uh, southern soldiers were just hiding behind that and picking off all these Union soldiers like target practice who were crossing this wide-open field to try to take uh, Marie's Heights. And uh, there were so many wounded soldiers that night crying for help and crying for water that Richard Kirkland gathered up about 13, 14 uh, canteens from other soldiers And he went out into the field uh, giving aid and water to these wounded soldiers, uh, Union soldiers. And his captain told him not to because they would kill him. And he says, I have to do this. I cannot take this anymore, listening to these cries. And he said, go ahead. It's your funeral. And uh, no one ever confronted him. No one ever hurt him. And uh, there's a statue here, uh, a monument to him, where he's uh, giving aid, giving water to a, a uh, an enemy soldier and and it's just the greatest story i absolutely love it it's compassion it's humane it's christian and you can and, call uh, it uh, a, what, an enemy american man. soldier
1: or you can say um an american patriot on he, either he, side
2: he, t- he totally was
1: yeah I bring this up, ladies and gentlemen, because the question is, uh, Sheriff, and I'm going to do this on purpose to you, just fall for mm-hmm. the trap for a second. It- it'll make sense. Are you on the side of the <laughs> north, or the side of the south, sir?
2: I, I would have been on the north.
1: All right. Now, here's the deal. <clears throat> I understand the south's points more than I understand the north's points. However, I see value on both sides, and I'm grateful the country stayed together. How do you like that?
2: Yeah, I I question that part though. Which part? That I, I, we I want the country where, to stay together? W- yes, I don't think it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It certainly didn't hurt us separating from England. I don't think it would have been a that big of a deal if the South had created uh, a another country. Uh, I don't. I really don't. It's okay, so we have two Americas and they're living there next to each other. What? Yeah, you've got
1: North America and South America, wouldn't you? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well yeah exactly. You know, I don't think Lincoln was correct saying if you don't stay in the union we'll kill you.
1: I agree. I don't, I don't think, think that we, was correct.
2: I don't think sacrificing 680,000 700,000 men
1: was worth to it keep a, to
2: keep the union. But now I you're making my points on it. the
1: side of the south that I that I'm making that which is states rights. I know they kind of want to mix slavery into it but states rights the point about the north and the south though is i agree with some realities of both i am grateful we stayed together as a country and i do think we're better off that way as we prepare for the lord jesus christ to come but i want to get an update from the red pill expo real quick then i want to move into a hardcore topic okay all right hang tight sir
4: I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999, text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999, or go to defendapatriot.com, defendapatriot.com.
1: All right, Sam Bushman in studio, the good sheriff in Virginia on the road, taking care of business for the Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org. So I know the north and south is a big issue, and it's interesting. uh, On one hand, Sheriff Mack would choose the north, which I understand. But then he says, hey, you know what? The South uh, didn't deserve all the abuse they took for the North. And, you know, that's the point is it's very, very controversial. And I support both sides uh, based on the topic. Okay, slavery, I'm a 1,000% against. Okay, slavery is evil and wrong and needs to stop. However, I don't believe that's what the war was about. That was a great um, move to to force you to be on one side of the divide or not. Uh, But it was more about states' rights. It was more about self-determination as a sovereign state. And a lot of sovereignty for states was lost over the Civil War. And so on one hand, I agree with the South in the states' rights issue. I agree that I'm against slavery. I don't agree that President Lincoln had the right to just, you know, force his way and pull a Sherman and just destroy everything in sight. Uh, The battle rages on in the hearts and minds of Americans today. And the same battle, sadly, seems to be shaping up in America. The issues are slightly different, but the principles are the same. They're putting slavery... They're putting black lives, they're putting uh, states' rights, uh, they're putting uh, self-determination, they're putting uh, property, all in the middle of this. So when I was with Abbott Bundy yesterday, I wrote a headline that says this, Sheriff, the media and government are in bed together and are intentionally engaging in political warfare by using scare words, you know, black lives matter, Uh, militia white supremacist, Uh, and we go on and on and on and on with the terms being homophobe, something-a-phobe, whatever, right? And the problem with that is that they're using those words to literally isolate, demonize, and destroy all patriots. We talked about that in detail. But they're using our words against us in playing games. And I highlighted in some articles how they weren't being honest about me. But there's several articles out now that basically say this, Hammond Bundy's army, is gearing up, and it's going to be gnarly when it cranks up. Uh, you know, they almost want you to believe Ammon's army is like Sherman's army, right? Uh, okay, and then Richard Mack, a, um, quote, militia leader. Stuart Rhodes, another militia leader. Uh, G. Edward Griffin at the Red Pill Expo, another leader. Everybody's getting together, and believe it or not, they're all working with Sam Bushman, the talk show host, to peddle their agenda into the future. It's almost the take in a lot of these articles and magazines. Well, they then team that up with Donald Trump. Sam's the closest to Donald, they say, which, by the way, isn't true. Uh, and then they come back and say, hey, <clears throat> you know, with Sam Bushman and all these gentlemen around him, uh, and, and you know what? There's a plot in Michigan to kidnap the governor, man. And this plot, these a couple of brothers got busted, and man, it was crazy, uh, and their militia, and they're really tied to Trump and to Mac and to Sam and to Ammon and to... Everybody, in fact, Leaf, one of the leaders of the constitutional sheriffs movement, <clears throat> he's defending them. So here's the headline that they wrote: "Constitutional Michigan Sheriff Says Whitmer Plot May Have Been Lawful Due to Her Crimes Against the Constitution." Now, Shane Trujillo writes the article. They say the sheriff's not mincing words. Now, that sounds like what on earth is going on? The, the constitutional sheriffs are backing kidnapping, and they're tied <laughs> to Trump, and they're defending Donald, and, they're, and they're, they're at the Red Pill Expo plotting their next uh, move to destroy the country, and, and man, Sam was at Red Pill, and Mac was at Red Pill, and so was Stuart Rhodes, and boy, were their comments incendiary. And then they jumped on Liberty Round Table right after they got off their speeches and stuff like that to peddle the violent porn to the world. That's the case they're making, Sheriff. I want you to respond, and then I want you to break down and tell how the Red Pill Expo went. And then I want to dive into the Darleaf case.
2: Sam, how's that while for you a setup, running... sir? Well, I know. <laughs> you were scaring me with all that
5: talk. Man, oh.
2: it was Racism and and white supremacy and militias, Sam, it, it, you are so right.
1: Terrorist the, groups. Me, Ooh.
2: Oh yeah, uh, that the media is inventing and fabricating this whole thing. Be, because let's let's look at this. First of all, the militia that got arrested, or the militia members, if that's really what they are, I don't know them. Uh, I think Darleaf knew one or two of them. Um, yeah, they say he spoke and, on and the
1: same stage with them, which, by the way, he right. clearly it, says he does not regret, by the way.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, Sam, if you'll recall, what was it, three years ago, four years ago, maybe longer. I can't keep track of time. It goes, to, it goes too fast. Where uh, this couple in Las Vegas killed two police officers. And then the SPLC tried to uh, tie me to the husband. What they did was they Uh, found
1: a picture where this husband was hanging around the Patriot groups. And then somehow he, along with a gazillion other people, as you know, me as a talk show host, I went to the Red Pill. I don't even know how many people took their pictures with me. Same as you. And so then this murderer guy ended up having a picture with you, and they put that as if you had backed and or were part of the agenda. Uh, which is completely false. You never knew the guy at all. Now, he hung around Patriot circles to some degree. That's true. Uh, But most of the Patriot groups kicked him out, including the Bundy Ranch, kicked this guy out of their group saying, you know what, you're a wacko. Uh, You don't seem stable. We don't really need you around at all. You're not helping the cause. And a lot of groups kicked him out. But furthermore, we still don't even know if the guy was a government planner, who he was.
2: Well, and I've done the same thing, Sam. The thing of it is, when when anybody ever talks to me and – Advocates violence. I tell him, I don't do that. I don't agree with you. I don't support violence of any kind. I'll have nothing to do with what you're talking about. If they ever do, this guy never even talked to me. All he did was come up and say, "Can I buy one of your books?" Oh, can we take a picture? That's as much as I ever knew the guy. But yet, SPLC, in their ultimate hate uh, agenda, ties me to him and publishes the picture everywhere that this guy had already put, I guess, on Facebook or something. I don't know. I never even saw the picture until SPLC brought it to the world's attention, trying to, as as best they could, that I had some sort of support for him. Absolutely insane lies that the SPLC knew were lies and, and it. They, they continue to do that, and the, anybody gives them any credibility is still so astonishing. Uh, and SPLC never reports how they used to have uh, law enforcement's ear because they used to train law enforcement. They don't anymore. Even even the the craziest uh, groups in this country don't like SPLC anymore and, and don't pay any attention to them. But they still have a lot of money, and they can put out productions and, and news uh, magazines and so on and so forth because they have money. And, and you could buy credibility with money uh, because you own the media. You do the media stuff. Uh, just absolute insane anti-American, and they are a hate group. They hate the Constitution. They hate the Founding Fathers. They hate the Second Amendment the most, probably anything. Uh, and they they hate America. And yet they say they're they're uh, a hate group watch uh, organization. Just absolutely so hypocritical, so dishonest. Well,
1: it's the typical projection plan where they basically say you're guilty of what they're doing, right?
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and Sam, when was the last time? Even if you take this arrest of the half a dozen or more, maybe about a dozen, I don't know. Uh, I I don't think they know. Of the people that got arrested and supposedly tied they were having this conspiracy to go arrest uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Why didn't the wait why didn't they wait for them to actually do something overtly instead of just Let's talk about it? Let's get into the it?
1: Gretchen Whitmer story in just a second because of well, has but a lot this to is, say than a This it. is what I want to
2: say. Let me let me ask this thing. When was When of time last time group militia group committed an act of violence?
1: Well, it all depends on how, uh, how you define militia group. Because what they'll say is the white supremacists and, and militia group are when really the last one and the time same. White group oh, when did they it. killed that poor lady over at that um, oh, what was that event where that lady got hit by the car? It's uh... <clears throat>
2: yeah, I don't. Know. But but still, the, it, you know, right. that's what document say. for me all the all the school shootings they've done, or any uh, mass shooting they've done, or that they've went out and started burning uh, Portland down or committed acts of violence in any city. Tell me if they've ever gone around looting, burning cars, burning buildings, indiscriminately beating up people. Show me where that's ever happened.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. But what you'll do is you'll get into this blurring of terms. What is a militia? What is a white supremacist group? What is a, and all these labels. Show me all of them and what I call is scare words designed to deceive the people. I'm telling you, the media and the government are in bed together Uh and are intentionally engaging in political warfare. They're isolating, demonizing, and they're destroying all constitutional patriots. Peaceful patriots, I might add. When we get back, let's break down Red Pill and Darleaf.
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA
6: Radio News with Kenneth Burns. In New Zealand, it appears that Jacinda Ardern and her Labor Party will be re-elected in a landslide. And by all signs, Labor will have a big enough victory to control Parliament without a coalition partner. Ardern has earned praise for her handling of the coronavirus pandemic, Their government's response included some of the strictest controls in the world that are being attributed to some of the lowest mortalities globally, with just 25 recorded deaths from the virus. The Labor Party in New Zealand overall has received its greatest support in at least a half century. A new effort by the Federal Communications Commission to look at the legal shield that has spared tech giants from being held accountable for how they patrol their platforms is drawing widespread rebuke. Critics say the agency is caving to pressure from the White House. The move comes as Facebook and Twitter took steps to limit a New York Post story about Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. This is USA Radio News.
7: Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time.
8: The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And During this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so
7: cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA.
6: New data suggests that it could be a grim winter for deaths from COVID-19. This story from USA Radio's Dan Naraki.
9: A key model has a stark prediction for a winter surge in coronavirus deaths. The new report from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington is forecasting a spike in COVID-19 deaths over the winter months to nearly 400,000 by the beginning of February. That would be an increase of more than 80%. Doctors at the Institute say they expect to see the number of deaths begin to rise as soon as the beginning of November. The United States saw the number of coronavirus infections pass 8 million this week. More than 218,000 Americans have already died of the virus. And the latest data from Johns Hopkins University shows that 21 states have recorded peak weekly averages of infections over the last seven days.
6: On Wall Street Friday, the Dow closed higher by 112 points. The NASDAQ was down 42 points. The S&P 500 was up a fraction. And you are listening to USA Radio News.
0: Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio.
1: All right, Sheriff Mac, with me. So the city I was thinking about was Charlottesville. Sorry, it slipped my mind until I got off the air. That just happens sometimes. Charlottesville. So they'll point to Charlottesville. They'll point to Dylan Roof. They'll point to the guy that was with you in the photo that, that murdered cops. And they'll point to a, a, a cadre of kind of white supremacy, uh, of militias, of unhinged people and they'll mix it all together and say hey you know what you're guilty a proud boys right on through will be their list of of shenanigans but here's what i would say this i went to the red pill expo and i was there and i met with a lot of people and i did a ton of interviews and uh, all i'm telling you is uh, i i think the worst offense anybody committed if you can call it an offense was a lot of people didn't wear masks but I didn't see a single even as close to a fist fight or a big argument even at the event. It was as peaceful as it gets, Sheriff.
2: Yeah, it, it was, and it was wonderful, and it was beautiful. And and I don't know all the people that were there. There could have been some horrible people there. There could have been, oh, the M word. There could have been militia people there. Uh, I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, I don't care, Sam, and you know I've said this a 100 times on your show, and I'll say it again. <clears throat> I I detest and disavow and am against all violence. I, I always have been. I always will be. I'm a very peaceful it's, person. And so the media will come up
1: and say, well, you disavow violence, Sheriff, and they'll just keep asking you that, as if you hadn't and if you won't. It's yeah, kind of like well, what they do about Donald Trump. Hey, will you disavow this or that, and he does it over and over and over, and they just keep asking it like they didn't hear I him. I might say know. the same
2: thing. I might say the same thing Trump said. What do you want me to say? I've said it all before. What do you want me to say? That's what he said. What do you want me to say?
1: Sheriff, when you're violent, I don't know how you can disavow violence, see? See how you just can't win that manipulated discussion?
2: Well, yeah, but then let's start dealing with the facts.
1: I know, but if you weren't violent, Sheriff, see? (laughs) The facts don't matter when they continue to press their scare words. And press their dishonesty. Now let's take this to the Darleaf case. To make the point even more poignant. Literally the headline says this. Constitutional Michigan Sheriff. Says Whitmer Plot may have been lawful. Due to her crimes against the Constitution. Sheriff Darleaf is not mincing words. Writes Shane Trujillo. Now here's the problem with the whole discussion. If I start with Sheriff Mack, you're violent, even though you've said you're not, even though there's no track record of violence, even though the facts are against my point. If I start with the fact that you're violent, it's very easy to frame the argument in a way that looks you or makes you look absolutely extreme and foolish. So when they start out by saying sheriff believes Whitner plot may have been lawful. okay, that's where the lie starts. So let me explain. The government says, wait a minute. These two guys were trying to kidnap the the governor, but Darleaf says it completely different. Darleaf says, "Hey, wait a minute, the governor has committed crimes against the constitution, with her lockdowns and her mandates, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And so what the sheriff is saying is, they do have a right to a fair trial. They're innocent until proven guilty. First of all, so let's not throw the militia members or throw these guys under the bus. Okay. He said, we cannot convict them in the news media here. And I think Darleaf is exactly spot on. We cannot convict them in the news media. They are innocent until proven guilty. Now, here's the narrative. Was it a kidnap and a plot against the governor? And is the sheriff agreeing with that kidnapping slash plot like the headline makes you believe? Or is this the truth? He says it's just a charge. They say it's a plot to kidnap, but you got to remember that in Michigan... In Michigan, can we have a citizen's arrest? And they still say, and you know what, you in Michigan, if it's a felony, you can make a felony citizen's arrest. He cited, listen carefully, Michigan state law to make his point. So now the governor's saying, wait a minute, if you caught a kidnapping, then, <clears throat> you know, that's a problem. But look, I believe that they were basically executing a citizen's arrest. And if felonies have been committed by the governor, Uh, And the law says that's legal. It doesn't say that if you're in elected office that you're exempt from that arrest. So we got to look at it from that angle. So he's not agreeing with a plot to kidnap the governor like the headline lies. He's merely saying, wait a minute, hold on. There's two sides to this story. I am looking at it and saying these guys were trying to commit a citizen's arrest. They have every right to do so if felonies are committed. And law backs this point up. So what is the, was it a citizen's arrest attempt or was it a kidnap attempt? And that is where the whole discussion starts. Darleaf is backing this idea that they have a right to execute a citizen's arrest. And he cites the lot of back their point. And so you know what? As a matter of fact, these guys are innocent until proven guilty. That's the point. And the media is pitching it like there was a plot to kidnap the governor. The truth is so Opposite, but they make it sound like Darleaf backs a plot to kidnap as opposed to backing the law and a citizen's arrest legitimate attempt. There's the crux of the argument, Sheriff.
2: Well, uh, then uh, when Darleaf, uh, Sheriff Leaf, uh, a fantastic man, uh been a huge part of the CSPOA, and by the way, he's a life member of the CSPOA. If he were to say like he did, uh, not if, if if he says that, look, I know know that uh, the FBI must have their evidence, but if these guys were just trying to exercise their right as citizens to arrest her, and they never said, let's kidnap her, let's arrest her, that's a huge difference, and I believe that will change the entire uh, picture in court if their intent was simply to exercise the law of the state of Michigan. And by the way, his district attorney came out and said, Darleaf cannot tell people what the law is, and he's not an attorney, and he's not uh, allowed to make an opinion about the law in this state. If If you want to know what the law says, you need to come ask an attorney. Well, you know, that's just stupid arrogance from somebody who obviously seems that has a bone to pick with with uh, sheriff leaf. But it, it, all of us make determinations on the law every day. Citizens do. Uh, cops do. Sheriffs do. Uh, and we actually and, and are. And by the way, if you don't, trade.
1: society simply would not even function.
2: No. And, and not only that, we are trained and required to be trained in traffic law, traffic code and the criminal code. We're trained in the police academy. You cannot graduate from the police academy unless you have passed those two subjects. So what's the difference between a lawyer going to law school and learning those and a cop going to, uh, one makes arrests on those laws and one prosecutes those laws. What's the big difference? And, And yet only attorneys can do that. You know, how, how utterly stupid and arrogant of, of that district attorney, uh, some, some lady that he's been fighting with for some time now. But the, the whole thing boils down to if they said, let's go kidnap her, and they've got that on tape, they probably have a decent case. If they were just simply plotting to arrest her, like many people across this country have asked sheriffs and other people to do, Why can't you just go arrest these rogue Hitleric uh, criminal governors? Like, if you ask me, the governor where I sit right now in this state of Virginia should have been arrested when he said it's okay for us, the state, to kill babies. Uh, I believe that's a conspiracy to kill innocent children. Born alive, and he said, let's kill them. And, And yet the media didn't run with that the the democrat party not one time did i ever hear have i ever seen one single democrat said no he's out of line we don't believe in killing babies you know didn't happen so i i believe that a criminal investigation should have taken place against him uh and and for anybody to say that they're going to try to do that and then be arrested for kidnapping is a joke and so that may be the case here. I don't know, but I agree with Darleaf. We shouldn't be trying to try it in the press, and, of course, the press will do that, and they'll eat that up because that's what they do. But I'm very interested in seeing if the evidence shows the word kidnapping ever used in what they were plotting.
1: Well, and the and problem the problem wait. with that narrative, though, is even if the words were used, kidnapping, the problem is now you got to prove motive and intent because they never got her. So you can't determine what they would do with her once they got her. If they brought her to the jail and said, you know what, sheriff, you need to you know, put her in jail, and here's why, and here's the case against her, and da 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 In other words, they followed the citizen's arrest uh, guidelines, right. uh, regulations to a T, then uh, the kidnapping idea is out the window. Here's the problem. The government had plants and uh, involvement in this big-time FBI right on down to the point where was it a provocateur attempt— was it what what was it where do we go but you can't even determine what their intentions were because they never got a chance is citizens arrest allowed in america
4: hi i'm dave i'm seven years old i'm sitting here in the corner having a time out until mom comes to talk to me all i did was cut my sister's hair trying to help I guess mom didn't like how I did it in a minute she'll be back and ask me if I know what I did was wrong maybe I shouldn't have cut her hair and she'll say we all make mistakes because we're just learning about stuff and she'll give me a hug and we'll end up talking about more stuff
9: no matter what you talk to your kids about love is what they'll hear
4: like mom's timeouts and i think she likes them too yeah i think they help her remember how much she loves me
9: a thought from the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints visit us at mormon.org as you all know roe versus wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world for example in the united states It's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life.
0: Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable.
1: All right, I asked right before the break, is a citizen's arrest legal and lawful and appropriate in America? The good sheriff answered yes. Richard Mack said yes, but I had muted him because of the break. I wanted to get that on the record. But I also want to say this, Sheriff. That's not true if the government jumps the gun, creates FBI provocateurs, uh, calls them militia, uh, barbecues them in the mainstream press that they were trying to kidnap somebody. uh, Then, you know, you get to a situation where mm, who committed the crime? The folks that were legitimately trying to citizens arrest somebody who they believe is a felon? Uh, Or uh, the FBI slash the government, whoever arrested uh, these gentlemen, uh, because they never got the appropriate ability to carry out the lawful citizens arrest now, where do we go with this kind of stuff
2: well we we go to court and and I will say this if anybody in the militia has committed a crime or intended or intended to kidnap the governor as horrible as she may be and they had nefarious plans for her and they were going to uh, torture her, interrogate her, or put her under a white light or lock her up in a room and until she broke until she admitted to her crimes or whatever. I don't care what the plot is; it could be anything and and uh it, well, I say I don't care. It doesn't matter what the plot it doesn't matter what the plot is if it's criminal activity, then they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I don't care who they are
1: of course I don't they should.
2: care. If it's a politician, if it's a governor, if it's a president, if it's a former president, i.e. Bill Clinton, I don't care if it's Hillary Clinton, I don't care who it is, I want justice and I want the truth. And if somebody has committed a crime, even if it's you, Sam, I would say, Sam, I'm sorry this has happened to you. You're going to have to answer to your crime. You're going to have to go to court. You're going to have your day in court. They have to prove you guilty. If, if If you beat this in court... More power to you. But, Sam, if you commit a crime, if I commit a crime, we all deserve to answer to the law.
1: So who committed a crime the, here? The people that are claiming that they were trying to commit a uh, citizen's arrest due to the law? Or the uh, government that literally stopped them, threw them in jail, and says they were trying to kidnap somebody and making false charges?
2: I don't know. I, I, hope, to, I hope to see that. I hope to see that. And I don't know either. What, and, we, what we would have I to do is
1: have the due process of law to answer all those questions, right?
2: Right. I don't care who it was. if it's government that commits the crime, they need to answer to it, and they need to be prosecuted just like anybody else. The I headline don't want to know the, the headline
1: though that says Michigan She Darleaf says that Michigan plot may have been lawful. Uh, I would take out the word plot though because that's what changes the whole discussion um so what would you call it? Well, I guess you could you could
2: plot to do something
1: legal. I guess so. The word has a negative connotation, but I understand you're right. So what would we put in the place of plot here? Because it wasn't be a Whitmer plot. What would you say? Whitmer arrest?
2: Intentions? The intent? If they
1: had no criminal intent,
2: this is going to be a very difficult case for them. And they're going to end up with egg on their face.
1: I'm going to change it to arrest. And and I'm going to tell you why I am. Because you know what? That's the claim that wait, we're citizens arrest here. That's what we are trying to do. That's the claim. Now we can't say their claim is not accurate if we never give them a chance to execute that. So the question becomes, how is this going to, going to come out in trial? I mean, you know, uh, if the government knows they've kind of uh, jumped the gun on this one, I should know, don't know if I ought to use that term, but anyway, the, the question becomes, what are they going to do then? Demonize and destroy and manipulate and isolate and to the point where then eventually the charges might be totally different than we started out as? I mean, it where does this be. go?
2: I mean, well, of course they're going to try to do the same thing that they did to people at the Bundy Ranch. We'll offer you this plea bargain if you take five or six years. Otherwise, we're going to give you life in prison. And and so they're going to try to intimidate people and coerce them into not going to court. And uh, I agree with Hammond Bundy. If you haven't committed a crime, never admit that you have. Agreed. Yeah.
1: I agree. So are they trying to arrest, or was it a kidnap attempt? Sheriff Darleaf asked. If it's a felony, you, may, you can make a felony citizen's arrest. Leaf continued, citing, and let's be clear, Michigan state law. Now they say to justify his point is what they add in the article but see that just puts it in question as if he's not right but he cited it. Okay, the truth is he is right. He cited the law. Citizens' rest is Ill, er, is legal in America. Let me say it again. Is legal in America. There's no wrong here if that was legitimately the attempt. The sad part is now we're convicting them in the news media. They do have a right to a fair trial. It's just a charge. As a matter of fact, these guys are innocent until proven guilty. So I'm not even sure if they had any part in it, he added. And this is important because what he's saying is he doesn't even know for sure if they did it. How do we know it wasn't the FBI provocateurs? Who was involved where at what levels? And that's where the rub goes, Sheriff. Anyway, I bring this up because... They're relentlessly attacking Darleaf. Then they're trying to tie the Red Pill Expo, and 88-year-old G. Edward Griffin, to this and saying that we're of the same ilk and that we're involved together in some sinister way, building Ammon's army. All of it is a, I'm telling you right now, all of it is a dishonest string together of events and places and people and things that don't even relate, sir, in honesty. In, in, In true, open, transparent candor, do not even relate, sir.
2: No, they don't, and none of it makes sense, and that's why I say the bottom line is show me where all these horrible uh, militia members have committed a crime in the past. How many militia members have been convicted of committing any felony, any act of violence, and I'm not saying there's none. I'm just telling me, show me how many. Show me, And, and let's go down the list. I can do all sorts of lists on the left. I mean, even way back at, at, in Stockton, California, the University of Berkeley, where just a, a white person, a conservative, was going there to speak. And instead, the building started getting burned down. And just for having someone speak from the other side of what these people believe. And, and yet, I've never seen a militia member do that. I'm not associated with militia members, so I don't know what they do. And I don't know. They say over and over and
1: over and over, you're a militia leader, sir.
2: I know. And I've I've never once reached out to a militia to ask them to do something with me or for me. I've never even been approached by a militia group saying, we want to uh, work with the CSPA. We want to be members. Uh, We hope that you'll come and do this. Maybe somebody from a militia group has me. I don't know, but if they did, they didn't identify themselves as a. Well, sure, man. they've
1: called you. They've been involved in your events and everything else. We know they have because they commit there. They put plants in there intentionally for the, those purposes.
2: Yeah, the Southern Public Law Center put plants in there and then had to uh, write Retract. me a letter of apology and retraction.
1: Well, other than that, well, it's not so bad. All right, so here's the thing that really irks me about this whole threading together of all these events, places, and people, and things that really just are not related. And they're making, um, um, well, for example, they're calling it Ammon's Army. Ammon wouldn't call it an army. He would call it a neighborhood watch, kind of a people's rights organization.
2: But yeah, see? but remember when I said, uh, we are an army out to set other men free? That's a quote from uh, Colonel Chamberlain.
10: Yes.
11: And I guess
2: I sort of plagiarized it because I didn't give him credit. Uh, and it was just from the movie Gettysburg, and it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. If the Southern Poverty Law Center wanted to go after me, they could have accused me of plagiarism, but instead they, they tried to accuse me of forming an army of, of violence.
1: However, I'm not sure it's violence. plagiarism if it was a quote by somebody and used in a bunch of places, including in movies. At some point, it kind of beyond the quote. Scenario, well, yeah. If they had, had just Google,
2: if they had just Googled that and and tried to get me for plagiarism, they could have. They would have had something legit. But well, that the sheriffs in this country, or the CSPOA, is a quote army. But here's what I want to talk about. Free?
1: I want to talk about what a militia. You know, a little bit about this word militia because they say this. Darleaf didn't throw the militia members under the bus. I'm not sure I know what a militia member is. I'm not saying there's not militias out there. And I'm not so sure that, you know, I understand that there's groups out there that are armed and training and doing different things, but I'm not so sure that, that we know what a militia is. See, because they're tying me to militias. I have nothing to do with militias. I've never trained with one. I've never spent time in a militia group. I don't even know the names of any militia group, except for I know they're named after states like Virginia militia or whatever. But other than, I mean, I don't know anything about them, but somehow me and you, Stuart Rhodes and every we're tied to militias but as far as I understand Stuart Rhodes goes on the ground and meets with the police and says hey we're here to peacefully help you meets with the Trump campaign and says hey we want to escort people safely to their cars so there's not violence and rioting i'm not so sure that's a militia so i don't i don't get where this militia word being inserted in there it's a scare word but it's not honest
2: sheriff. well i can give you i can give you a quote from virginia statesman and founding father george mason He said, I asked her, what is the militia? It is the whole body of the people, except for a few public officials. And then he goes on and he says, to disarm the people is the best and most effectual way to enslave them.
1: So hold on. Uh, So the militia is the reporters that are calling us militia? I guess so. So the very lady that says we're in a militia is part of the militia.
2: Uh, Yes. Uh, The the word militia is in the Constitution, I believe, five times. It does give you a pretty good idea of what the militia is. And then United States Code 10 also describes the militia as every able-bodied male, M-A-L-E, from age 17 to 45.
1: Okay, so it's not me because I'm not in the 17 to 45 range, and I'm certainly not
2: able-bodied. I wrote a letter just recently where I disagreed with that part, and that it uh, uh, involves every able-bodied person from 17 to whatever age they they are, if they're capable and able-bodied, that's the that's the true qualification. And and so I guess you could even go a little bit younger if you wanted to, maybe 15 or 16, but. The United States Code says 17 to 45.
1: Well, and if you say able-bodied man from a militia point of view, at first glance, you might say, Sam, you don't qualify. You're older than 45, number one, number two, you're a blind person, Therefore, you don't... but I could be a radio man.
2: Yeah, what's the matter with you?
1: There you go. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. my point, though, is those people that are calling us all tied to militia, first off, there's no ties to militias or some of these groups they're talking about. Secondly, though, the people that are making that claim are really part of the militia also, depending on your definition.
2: Yeah, but uh, are they committing a crime against you, accusing you of being that when you obviously have a slight disability? And how would you ever train with them and commit those horrible acts of violence?
1: Well, I'm just the radio man, sir. I'm just the coordinator. I'm the one that brings all you militia people together, don't you know? I'm at the center of the star, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that how they're pitching it? I mean, they're insane. Of course. Anyway, the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is we stand for God, family, and country. We stand for the protection of life, liberty, and property. And we aim to do it peacefully. And let me make one last statement. If they will let us, Sheriff.
2: Amen. And, and Sam, I really hope that we get to the truth because I, that's all I'm after here.
1: Amen to that. God bless you in Virginia, sir. We'll talk soon.
2: Thanks a lot, Sam Season.
1: The good sheriff, Richard Mack, with a the CSPOA.org. They claim it's a militia organization, but they lie. Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org, become a member today. God save the Republic.
0: Broadcasting Live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for October the 17th. In the year of our Lord, 2020, this is our two of two. And our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful, restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And a lot of people say, Sam, your introduction's kind of long, buddy. Why do you do that over and over and over? Man, I, I need a button just to press fast forward and skip over that. And my response is with modern technology, you can certainly do that. But the reason we repeat that over and over and over and over is because we want to be very, very intentional and clear about what we're doing and about our efforts here. We are peaceful. We are nonviolent. We want the truth and the truth shall set us free. We want to educate and inform our American friends and loved ones and family. Because you know what? We care about the next generation, our children, our grandchildren, and we want to leave a free country for them as well. And to do that, it takes understanding the relationship between God, family, and country. It takes an understanding of who we are. It takes an understanding of what we need to do to preserve liberty. And it's not easy with the media, with the left-right dishonest paradigm, with all the discussions out there, it's very easy to get off kilter and go, we gotta have another answer. We gotta have a somebody's gotta bring a new idea to the table. We need a certain individual to be our savior leader. That person, ladies and gentlemen, would be Jesus Christ, and there is no substitute. Let's be very clear. That's why it's about God, family, and country. You know, our founding fathers said, you know what, our government's only good enough for a moral, religious people. And it's it's ill equipped for the governing of any other. Okay, so we must be a moral, God-fearing, honest people. We must obey the laws of God. And when we do, God Almighty promises us biblically that he will protect us. He promises us that, you know what, he will heal our land and protect us. But it takes some work on our part. I want to quickly summarize last hour because it was so vital coming into this hour that I think it's absolutely relevant. I had on the good sheriff, former Sheriff Richard Mack with me. CSPOA.org. And we talked about this idea that the media and the government are now in bed together and are intentionally engaging in political warfare. Their goal? Isolate, demonize, and destroy all peaceful American patriots. That's what's happening right now. And the proof in the pudding, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Constitutional Michigan Sheriff Darleef said Whitmer arrest may be lawful due to her crimes against the Constitution. And you go, wait a minute, what? The sheriff's backing kidnapping? No, not even close. So at the crux of this media story, where the mainstream press lies, it wants you to believe, hey, uh, this plot against the sheriff, uh, uh, plot against the governor, it wasn't a plot. Are they trying to commit a citizen's arrest? Or was it a kidnap attempt? Darleaf wisely asked. If it's a felony, you can make a felony citizen's arrest. Leaf continued, citing Michigan State law. Ooh, the law. Yeah, that interesting thing. We can't convict them in the news media, continues the sheriff. They deserve an honest, fair trial. In fact, these guys are innocent until proven guilty. Okay? Anyway, the story goes on, except to say, look, at the crux of the discussion is they want you to believe how... You know, bad this plot was, that it was a militia plot. They're using all kinds of scare words. First you isolate, then you demonize, then you destroy. I don't know the truth in this case. But I know this, they never got a chance to carry out a citizen's arrest, so it's pretty hard to say that was not their intention when you never let them carry it out. But I'm saying it was a citizen's arrest because that's what they're claiming. And that's what the law supports. And I'm not jumping to any other conclusions until we have proof, positive, otherwise. And so, folks, you got to not fall for the mainstream press manipulative. Was it a peaceful citizen's arrest because the governor's committed crimes? Or was it an attempt to kidnap the governor? Well, the debate rages on, but I'm telling you not to convict them in the media. I'm telling you to let due process happen. Let's have the transparency and the rule of law. And you know what? Whoever committed a crime, and it may be the government and the FBI, If they were carrying out a peaceful citizen's arrest and they were stopped in doing so, when they had every right legally to do so, it might be the government that committed the crime here. Time will tell, but the problem is, and this leads to our next guest, is that it's getting so murky and muddy in America today that it's very hard to know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, all right? So our guest today is Lee Southwell, and she saw anarchy as an eyewitness account in foreign lands. And she's going to be speaking tonight in Utah. That's tonight, October uh, 17th. That's tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. at Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah. Liberty Hall, Far West, Utah. The address, 3677 North, 2000 West. I'll put it in the show notes so you can get the address off the website, okay? Okay. But Lee Southwell has a story to tell like you wouldn't believe, and I'm going to be there. Uh, And I really highly recommend this is something that you uh, check out as well. This is riveting. Leah, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Thank you, Sam. Pleasure to be here. Now, give us a little thumbnail about about who you are, Leah.
10: Well, who I am and who I was when I went to Chile. Which one?
1: (laughs) All of it. Tell us. As as a little girl, where did you grow up? Who are you? Well, you don't need my whole life story, but I'll start with why I went to Chile. Well, give me a 30-second, though. You are an American citizen. You grew up in America, right? Yes, correct. Good. Continue. I,
10: yeah. I also lived in Holland for 10 years and when I was in my 20s, and I thought that was the hardest thing I ever did and the best experience that I ever had. Very character-forming, very difficult task to live in a foreign country, to learn another language, to find your own way, and I did that all in my early 20s. And so when I was raising my kids here in the United States, I always told them that that was something as part of their education that they needed to do too. To live in another country, to learn another language, is to bring greater appreciation to your own culture, to your own language, to your own values. You really almost can only understand them by being on the outside and looking in. And so having lived in Holland and told my kids that they needed to do this too – uh, they, I homeschooled them, most all of their schooling, and uh, they never showed any interest in it until they were 18 and 20. I had done all the research just in case they ever said, yes, where would we go? That was my job. I was going to choose where we were going to go, and I had to wait to see when they wanted to go. So finally, when they were 18 and 20, eight years ago, uh, they were ready to go and came to me and said, let's do it. And so I said, okay, then it's my choice, and we're going to Chile. And I decided on Chile because I had followed the Economic Freedom Index from either Cato or Heritage. I don't remember which one. I think both of them have one. And for the five years that I followed it, Chile was the only one that was moving up consistently. Every single year they moved up in the Freedom Index. And by the time they were ready to go, Chile was at the seventh most economically free country in the world and the United States was at 14th and so with all the research that I had done I felt very confident that Chile was a good safe stable country to move to so we left uh, almost eight years ago for Chile with very little money no Spanish never having been there before and packed our two suitcases, having sold everything we owned here in the United States for the adventure of a lifetime. I call it our uh, their homeschool final exam.
1: Wow. You and two children? Yep. Wow. How... 18
10: and 20, so they weren't children. They were young adults at that time.
1: Okay. And how did you plan to make a living on this venture? We didn't have a plan.
3: <laughs> oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so we literally dove into the
10: dark. We arrived having... We had one distant contact who helped us have an address to go to and a school that we had planned to go study Spanish. And he showed us where the subway system was and how it worked, and he showed us where a grocery store was, and then he said, good luck. (laughs)
1: And how did you dig in and find a place to live and get that start as as an expat?
10: Well, we went to the Spanish school and the teachers at the Spanish school were very, very helpful with everything, knowing that we planned on living there. So they helped us find most everything that we needed. And it was a slow process. I would say it was probably three years before we were really feeling comfortable and confident and that we knew what we were doing and had a plan. And then as far as work goes, My backup plan was that when foreigners come to this country and you don't speak English, you clean houses and you do yard work. And so that was what I told the boys we'd probably likely end up doing. And then uh, once we got there, they said, no, 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 you guys are gringos, you're upper class, and nobody would ever hire you for those things. So what they suggested was teaching English, and I thought, I don't know the difference between adjective and adverb. How am I going to teach English? And they said that they just want people who will have conversation with them. So I thought, okay, I could do that. So I just started teaching English. My older son started teaching English, and then my younger son, uh, about seven months into it, finally found a job through, through one of my students, and that's how we started to live in Chile. But we were prospering through lots of difficulties, but we ultimately were prospering in Chile. There were lots of opportunities, And uh, we were
1: enjoying our stay there. All right. So I'm going to summarize who is Leah Southwell. She is an American girl with an intrepid spirit, with an eye for adventure. And boy, did she get one. And we're here to tell you all about it coming up, ladies and gentlemen. How's that, Leah? Sounds good. All right. Quick pause. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight is the event. It is at Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah. 7 p.m. Lee Southwell. Anarchy. Eyewitness account. She goes to Chile. And she'll compare it to America. Coming up.
11: As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character, For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org.
12: As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration.
0: With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk
1: Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Leah Southwell. I got a dental appliance, in. sometimes it might not sound like I'm saying Leah, but it's Leah Southwell, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, She's going to be speaking tonight at an event. That's 7 p.m. Liberty Hall in Far West Utah. It will be an incredible event. Now let's talk about, so you went to uh, Chile with your children Uh, I should say two young adults, uh, if you will. Uh, And you went when?
10: We left uh, November of 2012.
1: Okay. So you lived there actually for quite a while, huh? Seven years. Wow. All right. So with that modern knowledge, let's step back for a historical relevancy here, Leah.
10: Very good. Historical relevancy of Chile? Yeah. So in
1: 1973... Chile's Socialist yeah. Communist Party, I guess, president, was removed, right?
10: Yes. So let me back that up just a little bit to 1970. Sure. Okay. In 1970, Chile was one of the poorest countries in all of Latin America. <clears throat> in 1970, through a three-way tie and a very narrow three-way tie, the winner was Salvador Allende. Allende was a known socialist, uh, having had dealings with communists, And there was fear that he was going to bring communism to Chile. And that is exactly what happened. So the three years that he was in power, uh, he nationalized all of the industries. The mining industry is is the biggest industry in Chile, copper mining. He nationalized the farming. So the big landowners were all broken apart and given to the people. The mining industry was given to the state. And so this is the socialist paradise is to take away the profits from the entrepreneurs and give it to the people. And so that was what was happening. But if anybody's ever studied history, what happens when you turn over land from farmers to the people? The people don't know how to farm. So by 1973, the country was starving. They were days away from having the last of the flour bags to even make bread. So the Congress went to the military and brought in the military leaders and said, take back the country. So it was a coup from the military with permission from the Congress. And the presidential palace was bombed. Um, That did not kill the president, but he either shot himself or somebody shot him before the military got in there. And Salvador Allende was taken out. After that, the military did take over control. The generals decided on one of the generals to be the president of the country, and that was Pinochet. Um, Pinochet. And so many people have heard of Pinochet as the bloody mass dictator. I would say, yes, there were three pe- 3,000 people killed during that period of time because they were trying to eliminate communism from Chile. Uh, Cuba had been involved. Cuba had helped bring in arms to strengthen the communist powers. And so it's not an easy, bloodless thing to eliminate communists. They did do some good things, I think, which was knocking on known communist doors and telling them that they had 24 hours to leave the country and so a lot of families i believe somewhere in the in the range of 10,000 families were forced to leave the country so once pinochet was in power then um, they did go through some troubling times trying to revive the com- economy again and then somewhere in the 80s they brought in what they called the chicago boys they trained the best and the brightest of chile through the economic school of um, uh, in chicago about free market economics, and they brought that back and started to implement free market economics into Chile. By 1990s, Chile was um, the most prosperous nation in all of Latin America in a very short period of time with the introduction of free market economics.
1: So this was And, one and of not, the reasons only, not why only was it the, the uh, freest nation, but the most prosperous nation, but it was by a long shot. Let's be clear. Right? Yes. Yes,
10: Absolutely. Yeah, long shot in number seventh in the world, we're talking about. And the unemployment when I left was below 5%. So it was booming. There was opportunity everywhere. And even though all of the presidents – okay, so let me back up again. Pinochet remained in power for 17 years, hated by half of the people and loved by the other half. He did voluntarily go for an election to choose whether they took him out or not, and he lost by a very narrow range. And so clearly half the country loved him, the other half of the country hate, hated him. So in nineteen ninety, uh, oh, sorry, 1989 is when he stepped down and they t- restored democracy. After that time, all presidents in Chile were left, left of the center, but nobody dared touch the free market economic system because they knew that was what was causing Chile to thrive so well.
1: So, so it, was to, it was an incredible, it was an incredible, long, many, many year uh, success story for the free yeah. market. First of all, right?
10: Yes, it was known as the Chilean miracle throughout the world.
1: The Chilean miracle, wow! We yeah. need to be told that in school, huh? Yeah.
10: Well, no, no. what needed to happen was it needed to be told to the Chileans.
1: (laughs) Well, that
9: too, sure.
10: They didn't teach their history either. And so this is where I see that they went wrong and where we will go wrong too. When you don't teach the good part of your history and you teach a one-sided history, there's an extreme misunderstanding of how you got what you got. And so I was able to see right away that the human rights museums, and pretty well, everything about Chile, it was Pinochet bad, Allende good, Allende, the one who brought them to starvation, Pinochet who brought them out. But that's ever since nineteen, what did I just say eighty nine was pretty well what was taught in the schools. So unless you were from a family who appreciated Pinochet and you heard it from your family, then you were told that that was a bad thing that happened to your country. So this is the setup for what happened exactly a year ago.
1: All right. What happened a year ago?
10: Uh, On October 18th, tomorrow will be the year anniversary. Let me... By the way, that's that's fitting,
1: your speeches tonight then, huh?
10: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, uh, A couple of days before October 18th, there had been a series of price increase in the subway system. And this last one was four cents and the youth, the high school students, And we have pictures of some of them with their professors, if that tells you anything, went into the subway stations and started to cause some disruption. They were jumping turnstiles, refusing to pay, and causing some damages in the subway system. Nobody took that terribly serious. It was high school students. But on October 18th, Hold on, before you get to October
1: 18th, I want to make a point, though. On one hand, it wasn't serious. It was high school students. On the other hand, four cents to us is laughable. Uh, But to some of the poor people, it was significant, though, right?
10: Well, I think it was significant in that there had been a series of them. I think it's still laughable from the students because the students paid one third of what regular people paid. So, so you have to ask why was it the students that were there, and why were some of them there with their professors? I want you to remember that professor statement.
1: Yeah. All right. Because
10: turmoil and chaos is obviously is is often caused. At the at the education level through the school system, and especially at the university level,
1: yeah. So the poor people might say it's legitimate. The rest of us might think it's laughable. But the reality here is, it was an engineered insertion point, wasn't it? Possibly. I
10: don't have the evidence of that, so I'm not going to say that's what happened. But you could you could say that, yes. So on October 18th at around four o'clock in the afternoon, the metro stations were suddenly being attacked, and I mean seriously attacked, like being set on fire, completely destroyed. The trains were being set on fire, <coughs> and at five o'clock, excuse me.
1: And, and was this the, and was this the students doing at this? At five now?
10: o'clock, when everybody's getting off of course, and needing to go. Leah, before oh, you continue,
1: ahead. was this the students doing all that?
10: No. At this point, we didn't know who, but who was setting trains on fires and destroying these, I think, went beyond the students. At this point, I think it was obvious that he, that this went beyond the students. This so, was,
1: so we have anecdotal evidence here, ladies and gentlemen. That there was an insertion <laughs> point intended by who when. We don't know if it was engineered from the start or whether somebody took advantage of, a, of, a, of something gone wrong or a crisis or an um, right. insurrection. I don't know, but the yeah. fact is, though, this was beyond – Um, some unorganized, a couple of students got mad because they didn't have the money discussion. That's the reason that I highlight that.
10: Right. One of the things that we knew from days later was the police did come out and say that the incendiary devices that was used for the burning and the destroying of the subway stations was not a chemical that could be bought in Chile. That was important.
1: So now you have international uh, implications as well. Right. Exactly. And whether the students uh, doing this uh, versus that being part of it or whether that just happened and then somebody else saw an opportunity to take advantage of it, we don't know the details of the connection there, correct? Right. Correct. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Leah Southwell is with us. And we're talking about her eyewitness account of what happened in Chile. She's speaking tonight. Leah Southwell speaking tonight anarchy eyewitness account that's tonight at liberty hall 7 p.m more details in seconds on your radio
0: protecting your liberties you're listening to liberty news radio USA
6: Radio News with Kenneth Burns. More than 18 million ballots have been cast in the country. Former Vice President Joe Biden, the Democratic presidential nominee, remains ahead in polling. The Real Clear Politics national average shows Biden with a near nine-point lead over President Trump. The president appears to be hemorrhaging on two fronts, losing support with the elderly and suburban women. The president, at a rally in Macon, Georgia last night, went after Biden and his family.
9: That Biden family is corrupt. It's a corrupt family, and with me and my kids, let me tell you, my kids. I'll tell you something though. It is right. Lock them up. You should lock them up.
6: Earlier at that same rally, Georgia Senator David Perdue mocked the name of his Democratic colleague and Biden's running mate, Kamala Harris. Democrats want an apology for that. They called it a racist dog whistle. This is USA Radio News.
7: Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule changing the world one life at a time.
8: The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so
7: cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA.
6: Employees have some tech giants, they're voters too, but where are they sending their money? USA Radio's Val Dior has a look at that.
4: Facebook and Twitter employees have sent more than 90% of political donations to Democrats so far in 2020. That amount includes all federal donations from Facebook and Twitter employees this year based on records available through OpenSecrets.org, a research group that tracks money in politics by the nonprofit Center for Responsive Politics. and analysis from the conservative Watchdog Group Media Research Center found the employees at both tech giants contributed millions in individual donations and in political, action, committee, or PAC donations. For USA Radio News, I'm Val Dior.
6: Jacinda Ardern and the liberal-leaning Labor Party are cruising to re-election in New Zealand. With most of the votes counted, Ardern is well on her way to a second term as prime minister and the Labor Party a clear majority in parliament. You are listening to USA Radio News.
1: Our guest, Leah Southwell, ladies and gentlemen, she speaks tonight at Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah, 7 p.m. Be there. She will speak about her eyewitness account, Anarchy in Chile. In 1973, there was a big old ripping crazy bunch of stuff going on that turned Chile into one of the greatest economies ever. Based on free market principles, it went so well. Wow. But the problem is the lack of education. People only heard one side of the story and didn't understand the reasons for their success. And so Lee Southwell was an eyewitness to the event we're talking about right now. Uh, What uh, basically in 2019, October, the children, uh, teenagers started kind of getting crazy because they raised the cost of the subway. That started it. But then the next phase ratcheted up, and no one knows exactly how. Leah, start there. So then uh, the next stage got much more radicalized, right? Yes, correct. Uh, Let me give you a little bit more context. So I was living in the city of Santiago,
10: the capital of the city, and the population is over 7 million people. So this is a big city like New York City. So the subway system is quite extensive. It's the way most people get around. Um, cars are quite expensive there. You don't really need them. I never had a car while I was there. And so the subway system is like the blood flow of the city. So when that's under attack, you're in serious problem. So this was at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. 5 o'clock, people were getting off work and finding that they couldn't get home because the subway system was shut down Uh, Because within days, 77 of the stations were attacked and destroyed and damaged, some of them so badly that they're just now a year later reopening again. So there were some of the lines that have been shut down for a very long time due to the serious damage that had taken place. So once that and the panic started to happen, as happens anywhere, once the police are busy, then chaos starts to happen, looting and rioting starts to happen. The the president did call out, the current president, President Piñera. He called out the military in a state of emergency, not really knowing or understanding what was going on. He probably thought that the country was under a terrorist attack, and so he called the military out into the street. That was a big problem for Chile because they had been under a military dictatorship for 17 years up to 1989. So having the military in the street was a very sensitive issue in the country. And so more people started to come out into the streets objecting to the military being out the street than they were objecting to the terrorists and everything being under attack in their country.
1: So many people... And, and hold on, let me stop you there, though. This is the yep. lack of education that doesn't allow them to properly assess the context, right? Right, correct. Okay, yes. go ahead.
10: And so uh, the stores were being looted. They were being burned. um, The protesters were coming out against the military and against the president now because their subway system was under attack. Now not only the subways were being attacked, but the buses were being burned in the streets. Uh, The traffic signals were being torn down, and it was utter chaos, and nobody really knew who was out there. And within eight days, there was a march on, I believe, October 25th on a Saturday where they say there was a million people, It was a lot of people, but I don't know that it was quite a million. And suddenly a million people are in the street protesting about everything, about the private uh, education system versus the public, about the private pension funds, about the toll roads, about uh, injustices, Uh, every type of objection that you could have in a country. Those people were out in the street eight days later, a million people. So you're under so-called terrorist attack, and the people were protesting the police and the military coming out and trying to stop it. And then there was just plain warfare between the people and the police and the military. And within 10 days, the president had to withdraw the military because there was such great objection to it. Now he's being called a dictator for trying to stop whatever was causing this chaos. Pretty shocking, disruptive in your mind, trying to grasp what's happening
1: here. Yeah, it's hard for the average American to even understand that kind of stuff in the streets to that level, right?
10: Yes. So a country that I thought was prospering and had... Everyone I talked to said, you would not recognize this country from 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it was a nothing country. Look at all that we have now. I lived in the part of the city called San Hatton, because San Santiago, Manhattan. It was the business district with skyscrapers, beautiful glass buildings. None of that existed 20 years ago. And now everyone's out in the street um, protesting everything about their life, and they want to overthrow it and have a better life. I was completely baffled.
1: Now, when you say you were completely baffled, you were in country. You were trying to live your life and and, and do what you do. uh, Yeah. And all of a sudden, that was completely disrupted, right? Yeah,
10: but everybody still during this chaos was trying to live a normal life. And so the businesses were still open. People who normally took 45 minutes to get to their job were now taking three hours to get to their job. And then there was a nighttime curfew at 5 o'clock, and so they knew they'd have to take three hours to get back home again. So the productivity literally dropped to two to three hours per day. And then a lot of these stores were being looted, so people were losing their businesses, losing their jobs because their business had been burnt to the ground, and the employees no longer had jobs. So it was an unknown every single day. You were living in fear. How am I going to get home? Am I going to take the subway station, and as I pop my head up above ground, there's going to be a battle going on with the police or the military, and I'm going to get stuck in the middle of it? Am I going to get caught in the tear gas fire? Uh, It was uh, very unnerving.
1: So what did your sons do? Did they take it well? Well,
10: well, one of them had returned to the United States. The other one was living with me. No, we were, we were in contact with each other trying to watch the news, listen to the news. Uh, a lot of it was pretty well known where the activity was, and so you tried to stay away from that. But it would move around. Most of it was in the evening. It would start at 5 o'clock, and nighttime was really bad. Uh, and you were just trying to be as careful as possible and still go about your way and hoping and thinking this is just a temporary flare-up and it'll go back to normal. But it didn't. It lasted week after week. The president was being demanded to step down. Thankfully, he did not step down. But the other primary call that was being made, and by who I don't know, was for a new constitution, because the Constitution of Chile had been written under Pinochet, under the military dictatorship, in his favor to keep his power. But once he was out in 1989, they started the process of amending the Constitution. And there had been close to 150 amendments to the Constitution. And in 2005, the socialist president at that time, Lagos, re-signed the basically accepted constitution that all objectionable things had been taken out and a socialist president signed this quote-unquote new or acceptable constitution and the people accepted it. So before October 18th, I had never heard a word that their constitution was a problem. And suddenly the call was that the new constitution would solve all the problems of Chile.
1: I've heard in, so then wickedness, I the in wickedness they change the affairs of the society and when they do oftentimes it's for abusive purposes. Now let's draw a parallel that I think is really important to understand here. So on one hand yes. you speak of this incredible prosperity, free market principles yes. on the other hand you speak of this dictatorship uh, with kind of a dictator at the helm it was really both right It was really what both? Yes.
10: Well, it, we, they were not under a dictatorship at that time, but the there was a dictatorship from 1973
1: to 87. But but that's where all that prosperity was happening, too, right?
10: Exactly. And, and exactly. the reason that I'm so bringing this up is you, because— So I want to say a dictatorship is just maintaining power. You're not democratically elected, but you're maintaining the power. I want to say—and I don't know this because I never knew Pinochet—I want to say that he understood— that you don't implement free market economics during your four-year period. Free market economics does not um, take hold over a four-year period of time. It takes a couple of generations. So I want to say that he knew in order to save Chile, in order to eliminate socialism and communism, and to let the free market take hold, It was going to take a couple of generations of him maintaining power and not letting the socialists and the communists take back the government.
1: And the reason that I bring it up like this is because, in a way, that's what we see China uh, and uh, Russia and some of these other countries embracing kind of a similar hybrid, huh? Yes. Yeah. Okay. because on one hand, China is a complete communist country. On the other hand, it's embracing free market principles and working with Americans. It's a different country and it's evolving as well. Uh, But they're holding on to power is the unique point. And they don't have the Constitution, as you mentioned, they have different constitutions. But they don't have the Constitution like we do, where the uh, checks and balances have the seeds sown in for solution. America goes off track, and if righteous people get together and stand for what's right, we can correct the ship, if you will. Some of these other nations don't have that opportunity. Ignorance in the people and a lack of proper role of limited government is at the helm when we come back we'll tie it to america with leah southwell she's speaking tonight at liberty hall ladies and gentlemen 7 p.m
0: just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org.
5: Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there? and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It Ain't Gonna Happen, by a friend of Medjugorje, whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, It Ain't Gonna Happen, a book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It Ain't Gonna Happen, by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled ne jcom or call Caritas in the US, 205 672
1: Leah Southwell, our guest, speaker tonight at Liberty Hall in far west Utah, 7 p.m., lived in Chile for seven years, Holland for 10, expat experience like you wouldn't believe, peaceful, she loved it, she lived in Chile for seven years, but it all went off the rails as violence erupted in the streets in 2019, and boy, was it interesting to observe. We don't know who, what, how, where, why on the details with regards to who done it. Etc. but things changed quickly, and she had a front-row seat, to say the least. That will be the topic of discussion tonight when she speaks at Liberty Hall. Uh, so, Leah, I wanted to highlight those parallels about some of these countries because they, they realize that free markets are the only way for them to take their countries out of complete poverty, and they look good as they hold on to power as well, right? Yeah. All right, yes,
10: well, I, I think you need to keep power in order for free, mar- free market economics to th- survive. It's not a political issue. The people have to start to see the benefit of it.
1: But it's hard for them to see if we don't teach them these principles. If, if they don't learn Absolutely. them over generations, it's hard for them to understand that. They throw freedom yes. away, don't they?
10: Yes, they do easily throw it away if they didn't know how they got prosperity in the first place.
1: All right, let's talk about America. Does it relate?
10: I think yes, and that is that the Constitution is what holds it all together in the limitations of power. The Constitution is what makes changes difficult and for overthrow difficult. So when this call for the new Constitution came about in Chile, I started to ask everyone I knew, what objection do you have to the Constitution? and no one could tell me anything specific no specific articles and so that told me they didn't have any knowledge about the constitution and it was disturbing of where did this all come from this call for a new constitution so i had a lot of friends from venezuela living in chile because venezuela had lost its country And all those people, productive people, had to go live in a different country to earn money, to send money back to Venezuela. So I asked my Venezuelan friends, what do you think about what's happening in Chile? And they said, Leah, this is exactly how we lost our country. We were the protesters in the streets in Venezuela we were the ones who voted for chavez because chavez promised us all kinds of things to make our life better and it sounded good and we believed him we were the ones who voted for a new constitution and the number one thing that they wanted in a constitution was to eliminate the two-thirds majority and make it a simple majority and that is how we lost our country and we can never go back we don't have a country anymore And we did it to ourselves.
1: They get thinking that democratic principles um, in a pure democracy really will save them. And the truth is it's just the opposite.
10: Exactly. So something as simple as a two-thirds majority is vital to the existence of a a liberty-oriented country, a constitutionally oriented country. These
1: are the keys to the checks and balances that make America so great.
10: Exactly. And so that's what the socialists and the communists are after. That's why they're after the Electoral College. That's why they brainwash everybody that it's democracy, it's justice, it's fairness. And this is the conversation that's happening now. And I really think that if if they allow Trump to win, that they will go after the Constitution here in the United States like never before. The media, we know, is against us. And the media will start talking about how the Constitution was written by slave owners. It was written uh, that black people were not even considered whole people. It was written for muskets and not semi automatic weapons. And it's desperately time for a new Constitution. I think they can also take us down a, a serious bad path with eliminating the Electoral College, which they certainly are attacking right now. And my belief is any attack on the Constitution. Any attempt at amendments or changes or constitutional conventions are incredibly dangerous at this moment because the socialists and the communists are waiting in the wings to have their influence on any changes that are going to take place. And that will, if you crack the door open, they will eliminate and destroy the Constitution and everything that we once stood for.
1: It's hard to know how to respond to this because... If Trump wins, they'll attack the Constitution big time. They'll attack the Electoral College. They've already made kind of inferences of that, but it'll ratchet up. Uh, But if Trump loses, what'll happen? In other words, I don't see a great scenario in both cases for peace and liberty. I agree. And
10: chaos is the way that they also bring your next dictator, and there could possibly – I know this has never happened in the United States but anybody who has studied much of history knows that coups happen regularly. And this is a possibility in this country to have a coup and take out our president if he happens to win and they don't want it. They've, they've been trying it through other manners, a coup, but a physical coup could occur in this country also. But when there's chaos, this is the other issue, when, when there is chaos, somebody will arise from that chaos and promise solutions and promises to stop the chaos. That's a very dangerous moment because people will vote for someone who promises them good things. But then once they gain power, you lose your country, as in the case of Venezuela and Cuba.
1: And, and, and the I fear this is chaos, the direction
10: Chile is going also. I'm when, sorry
1: there's, when there's chaos, there's always uh, – I'm trying to think of the right word. There's always a vacuum. When it comes to power, and somebody with force will fill it:
10: Force or uh, influence. So Hitler was an excellent speaker, right He had everybody yes. memorized. so is this what mesmerized sorry every will we find a very mesmerizing personality who will come and convince the 51 percent that he can save us? And so this, over the many years of talking of democracy, has really done us damage that we believe that a simple 51 majority should be able to control the 49%. That's not how our government was established.
1: Yeah, that obliterates the checks and balances that made America great. Um, The reason I say by force is because what happens is they do whatever they can through uh, charisma and personality and promises, and if that works... If that doesn't work, though, they always eventually take the next step. They isolate, Power. demonize, and destroy. No, oh, right. Uh, and so, uh, for example, you know, hey, uh, they tried to say, hey, Black Lives Matter. Now they're forcing their will in riots everywhere. Um, yeah. Is that similar to what happened in Chile? What's the next step after that? Good question.
10: Uh, an interesting difference is that Communism, the number one goal of communism is to divide the people. So there's two ways that they usually divide, either by race or by class. In Chile, it's a very homogeneous society. Well, actually, there there's two, two interesting things about that. You can either divide them by class or by um, race. The initial attacks, I think, was on the injustices of the big businesses who had benefited so tremendously from this Chilean miracle that it was, they want to say, merely the big corporations that were gaining and the little people had not, which is not true. They had brought them from 70% poverty to 7% poverty. That was huge. And then bringing back the race issue, what's happened later over the months after this chaos began is they went to the indigenous Indians of Chile and started to stir trouble with them. Now, there's been trouble for many, many years with them, but it's quite severe right now. The south of Chile is where the Mapuches live. Those are the native Indians of Chile and are stirring them against the government. And so a lot of this protest is between the Mapuches and the Chilean government. So that's the race war. And then they've got the economic war, the class war going on.
1: And they don't care how many fault lines or what fault lines they use. The divide-and-conquer tactic is the key.
10: They just need chaos and the people divided and fear and blaming. So this is, this is another thing I want to bring up and uh, another issue that happened. The president that was before President Piñera was Michelle Bachelet, a known socialist. She also has no problem working with the communists. She, after uh, ending her presidency, became the United Nations High Commissioners of Human Rights. Big red flag there. <laughs> when this chaos started, she went around the world and the media helped her in saying that this president was uh, committing ex- gross human rights violations by using rubber bullets and tear gas against the protesters. And protesters were getting injured by this and that they were merely peaceful protesters.
1: And this is why I say that with international agitations around the world with the media helping, uh, that's why I kind of say this is, at some point you connect all the dots and you go, this couldn't be an accidental situation or uh, just a a few teenagers hanging out. This was an intention uh, because of the global and the media implications and some of these leaders stepping up to the plate right at time to bat. You can't ignore those. Do you call them coincidences, or do you say uh, these associations, uh, whether they created the crisis or whether they just take advantage of the crisis, don't know? Nevertheless, that's the reality, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. All right, what's going to happen to Chile, and what's going to happen to America? Well, for Chile, the uh, referendum
10: for the people to choose whether they wanted a new constitution was originally agreed for in April because of the virus, it was delayed. And it is now coming up October 25th, very close to us now. And sadly, my prediction is that at least 70% of the people will vote for a new constitution. And we have to think just like here in the United States. If we had to have new founding fathers to write our document, who would be the people at the table there? We know from... Cuba and Venezuela, that the socialists and the communists were definitely at the table, and they were able to win enough things to destroy their country. It doesn't take much. Just change, for example, to eliminate a two-thirds majority can destroy a, a nation. So I don't have a good feeling for what's going to happen with the election. It's going to be at least a two- to four-year project to get a new constitution, and then the people will have to vote on it. What's going to happen for the next two to four years when none of their problems are being resolved? I think these protests are going to continue for the next few years. And will a new constitution solve any of their problems? I don't think so. The problems that they were complaining about were not constitutional. They were cultural. And I think that's something that people need to take a look at, too. What is the reason for your problems? Is it literally the law or is it you, the people, and your culture that is the problem?
1: The lack of education and the lack of understanding where rights come from, that is God, in obedience to his commandments, oftentimes is the key to the demise of many, many, many civilizations.
10: The lack of morality, yes.
1: All right. What do you predict for America?
10: I'm very disturbed. I'm very disturbed. I'm very worried. I don't know what will happen, but I kind of agree with you. Whoever wins this election, I don't see anything pretty happening. And my passion is educating people as fast as possible to preserve the Constitution and do not let them touch it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, who is Leah Southwell? She's really turned into an intrepid reporter with a first hand, eyewitness account of what happened in Chile, and she's very adept at comparing that reality to America. Ladies and gentlemen, riveting presentation coming up tonight, 7 p.m., Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah. If you could say one thing to America, one phrase, one statement, Leah, what would it be?
10: Know what makes us great as Americans and understand the enemy that will always be there attempting to take us down.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we declare this nation shall endure. LovingLiberty.net. God save the republic. Thank you, Leah.